person told me one time that what the difference between David and I is that David is like this, he's this great teacher. And basically they were saying that I wasn't, so I apologize in advance for that. But Steve, you know, David's a great teacher. He takes us through. But he said, you're like a good storyteller. You sit back. I said, I could just get back in my chair with a cup of coffee and just listen to you tell the story. So that's what I'm going to do today. This morning, I'm going to tell a story, okay? I'm going to tell a, tell a story from the Old Testament, and I'm going to kind of take it through to how it ultimately applies, I believe, to your life and to my life. Is that cool with y'all? Okay. Anyway, good job for not responding to that. Anyway, um, so what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to tell a story of Asa. Now, all of you who know all the Old Testament, you know who Asa was. Asa was a king. We read about him in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 14 to chapter, chapter 16, and we, we, hear, we read the story of, of who Asa was as a, as a young boy coming into, coming into power as the king of Judah. And we see, Scripture tells us that, that, that Asa was one who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It's a great testament. Could you imagine at the end of your life saying, hey, this is Brandon, right, who did right in the eyes of the Lord. That'd be pretty cool to, to have that testimony from, from God about you, a testimony in Scripture here of, of, who, Asa, of who Asa was, right? Early in his life, that, that, that he did right in the eyes of the Lord, right? He, he brought, in, during his life, that God brought him peace during his reign. His, scripture tells us that he, he built up towns and he built up cities, and he says that they prospered, right? It tells a story about when they were oppressed from an enemy army, that, that, that Asa did something important. It says that he sought the Lord. I don't want you to forget that. Here's the picture I want to just create for you this morning about seeking the Lord. The picture I had when I saw this was the idea of leaning into the Lord. Remember when you were a kid and something scary would happen, and what would you do? If your mom or dad are standing there, you just kind of lean into them because leaning into them brought you comfort. It made you feel safe. And so that's the picture I have. It says that he sought the Lord. If you read, I encourage you, if you're not reading anywhere in Scripture right now, Go read 2 Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament, right? It tells the story of these kings. Read chapter 14 through 16 and read the story of Asa and this life of faith that he lived, of leaning into to God when, when the enemy was coming, this enemy army who was really bigger and badder than they were, right? It says that he sought the Lord, the Lord heard from heaven and fought on their behalf and gave them victory, right? This is a testimony of the, of the life of Asa, right? He sought the Lord and God crushed crush the enemy. Asa, if you read the story, it looks like he, he lived a life in which he was aware of God. He lived life, you know what I mean? Like he lived every moment of every day just aware of the living God being present before him, not being this God he would call on the red phone when he had a problem, but a, a God who was present, right? A God who was real, a God he didn't need a phone, he just talked to him face-to-face as a friend speaks to a friend like Moses tells us in Exodus, right? This understanding of this relating to the living God. And here's Asa in this moment as a, as a young boy, as a young man early in his career, early in his career as the king of Judah, being one who sought the Lord, went after God, leaned into him in moments of difficulty. This was the story. Asa started strong. Asa started strong. But the thing that I want you to, to hear from this morning is this, and we're going to kind of dive into, is that Asa, Asa didn't end strong. 
Now, I'm not saying he fell away from God and still he's in heaven today, right? Don't worry, right? But, but he didn't end strong. He started strong, but he did not end strong. Basically, Asa's life, I would say when you read it, was, was one of unrealized potential. Yes, he did some great things. You can read about that. He was ultimately a good, good king. However, his inability towards the, the end, the later part of his life, the, 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 it was an unrealized potential of saying he lived for God, leaned into it. Later in life, he did not. Later in life, he leaned into other things. He trusted other things. He put his affections and his awareness on other things and other people. Basically, it overshadowed his commitment, ultimately, that he had to God. We see this reality expressed, what I would call, and then we're going to use this phrase this morning, I'm making it up, but it's the Asa crossroad moment. The Asa crossroad moment. You know what a crossroad is, right? That, that moment you're, you come up to and it's like, okay, do I turn left or do I turn right? I've got a, I've got a decision that I have to make. Right? Either, I'm, either I'm going this way, right, or I'm going this way. And, and it's that moment of indecision. We all have those in our life, and in some form or fashion, we probably have them every day, right? If we're moving and doing a lot of stuff, these, these crossroad moments of decision. And, and we see Asa, in a second, he has this crossroad moment, a, whether a moment of decision or a moment of difficulty, a, a moment of trial, a moment of hardship. It's a moment of like, how am I going to respond in the moment? That's the big test. I've come to the stop sign. And I'm going this way. Here's the crossroad. Now, which way am I going to go? So, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles. It's going to be on the screen, too, so you can just cheat and look up there if you want to. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, Ace of the Crossroad, Moment Expressed, here in verses 12 and 13. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 12 and 13. Love that sound of rustling papers. All right. It says this. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then the 41st year of his reign, Asa died, and he rested with his fathers. So I'm going, to read it a little, I'm going to read it again, okay? So keep it up there. This time I have a little inflection, as if my interpret. this is my interpretation, by the way, all right? It's how I think that the writer was thinking it when he wrote it. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa, he was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord. Are you serious? Right? Do you see what I'm getting at, right? We sometimes we read the Bible like, and the Lord said, right? And there's inflection. There's something going on in the heart of the writer. He's trying to get a message behind him, message across. Even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And then he died. And then he died, right? So, so when we think about these, these crossroad moments, this is what happened. Asa's reached this moment, right? He's reached a crossroad of life. He's reached this place, he's got diseased feet. He's got really bad athlete's foot, right? I mean, he needs something to spray on. I don't know what's going on. He's leading to death, right? This ain't good stuff, right? 
something's going on. There's a fungus among us, right? I don't know what's going on right here. It's happening. He's about, and he's going to die, right? And in that moment, the writer's saying, he's, at a, he's not using the words, but I'm kind of creating a picture here. He's at a crossroad. Like, and the writer is like, hey, it just seems like this would be a good time to turn to God. Even in it, though, he didn't do it, right? There's a crossroad moment. And if we look back at the early stage of his life, do you see that it had to, there's a shift that happened? That when the enemy army came, what did he do? It says he, he sought the Lord. He leaned into him, saying, God, I need you. God, I have faith. God, I trust. God, I'm looking to you, right? God, I need you. But later in life, even this moment, he stopped leaning into God. If we're honest with ourselves, and we'll kind of start with other people, we, we've seen this happen to other people, haven't we? People in your life that you, you say something along the lines of, man, they used to really walk with Jesus. Have you ever said that phrase? Or, man, I don't know what's going on with them. Man, or, God, they, they, they're the ones who ultimately led me to Jesus, and now they don't even know what they believe about him. They're struggling in their own faith, right? And we had this, like, oh, that's just so weird. But how many of us, and if we're honest with ourselves, that we would say, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I hit these crossroads all the time that, I'm struggling even in my own faith. I had these moments arise, these difficulties. And if I'm honest, I sit there and sit in that moment. That it's difficult. I have a crossroad moment that if I'm honest, I would say the passion that I used to have has waned. That the clarity of vision that I used to, I used to once walk with, if I'm completely honest, just isn't as clear as it used to be. I, that, that you would say, I'm probably not the person that I expected to be years ago, and whatever that looks like for you. You see, we all have these moments, right? The, the reality about Asa, it wasn't that one day he leaned into Jesus and the next day he leaned away, right? It doesn't happen that way, does it? I mean, it's like a, it's always this gradual process in time. I'm leaning, leaning less, leaning less, leaning less, uh, and whatever it may be that causes us to get there, whether it's like well, I mean, there's just so much going on in my life, or I'm just so busy, or, or man, I, you know, I've just grown beyond that place of need, or I'm more mature than I, than I used to. Whatever phrase that you may use in life, right? We all have this, this gradual, we have in our flesh and our humanness, right? Just this ability to gradually, without even really even knowing it, kind of fall asleep, fall into a slumber. How many of you in your life have ever had a moment where, you are sitting there and laying in bed and you're thinking about something and all of a sudden you wake up because something startled you because your thought took you straight into a dream. Listen, if I lay down for a nap anytime during the day, I 100% go straight from the thoughts of my day into a dream and when I wake up, I had no idea I fell asleep. Welcome to life. That's what it is, y'all. If you are a follower of Jesus, I just described the tension that you face every moment of every day of actually following Jesus, walking with him, and then as Galatians says, keeping in step with his spirit. Asa didn't do that well. He gradually fell away, and, it is, and at the climax moment of his crossroad moment, he had leaned so far that his leaning into Jesus had ended, and so gradually had taken him away from a trust and a leaning into God. To the point that this writer's just amazed 
like, he said, can you believe that? Can you believe in that moment he didn't even turn to God? He had nowhere else to go, and he didn't even do it then. We all, we all wrestle with this. We all struggle in our own life with this, of gradually slipping away. And then when the crossroad moments come, it's kind of a toss-up of how we're going to respond. So in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, probably a real, Hebrews 11 and 12, uh, probably a real familiar scripture to a hall of us. Hebrews 11 is the, that, what they call the hall of faith. Remember that? It's like the, all the great stories of the men and women of God who, who believed God for great things, the Noahs of the world, right? The Moseses of the world, the Elijahs, right? The Rahabs of the world. These men and women who just really believed God and, and trusted God when all hell broke loose against them, right? Basically what chapter 11 is, is this writer of Hebrews writing a story, telling stories of people at their crossroad moment who turned towards Jesus and leaned into him. That's the stories of chapter 11 of Hebrews. And he comes in, and, and, and in, chapter, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he says this. He says, therefore, right? So he say, so we just told you all of these stories. I want to tell you what they're there for, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Basically saying, listen, throughout this, the stories throughout history are witnesses to us. They're witnessing what we're doing, and they are testifying. They're witnessing to us about how we can live our lives. Let me press pause on what you're about to read, okay? What the writer of Hebrews would want every single one of us in this room to know and what he's trying to get across to the, re the readers here, right, in Hebrews was simply this. He says, I want you to know that every single person I'm about to tell a story about was a human being just like you. They aren't special. That's the point. That's the point. James said the same phrase in, at the end of chapter 5. He says, Elijah, who was a man just like us, prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. What he was saying, listen, you glorify and put Elijah on a pedestal. I'm just telling you who's a human being like you. He's coming and saying, listen, I want you to know, all of these men and women, they're just human beings like you. They, they are a testimony of what your life can look like at your crossroad moment when you lean into Jesus, okay? So, so he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by these human beings, right, who are just like us, a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down as a place of authority, a place of power, right? A place of saying, I'm with the Father, and we read we saying earlier, Satan, you're under my feet, right? Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Think about, focus on him, right? Who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and that you will not lose heart. Listen, he's coming and speaking, saying, listen, every single one of these people 
like Asa and like you, they had their crossroad moment, right? Every single one of them had this, this place of difficulty, this moment of decision, right? Enemies are coming against them, and they're making these massive decisions, right? And they're leaning into God. And these are the stories that we need to look to. We need to, to recognize that I'm, I'm laying out there for you for this reason. He's speaking these words because he wants every single one of us to recognize that we have a responsibility in the race that we are running. We call it life, but Jesus calls it a race. This race that we are running, right? That we have a responsibility in our race, a responsibility in our, in our journey. Remember, he says, get rid of anything that keeps us from moving forward and running well. Remember, he said, to throw off everything that hinders. It's that understood you, you throw off everything that hinders, and you throw off the sin that easily entangles. Simply put, he's saying, in your journey, in this journey to the crossroads of your life, you have a responsibility in that journey. In your life, you have a responsibility, right? Listen, I recognize that we don't like using the word responsibility in America today. Right? We don't like to be told what we're, that we're responsible for and that we need to be somewhere at a certain time or do certain things. That's why every single one of you should have 1107. You wanted to show that you could get here when you want to, right? Because you're not going to be responsible for anything. I'm just going to get there when I want to, right? It's my life. But I'm telling you, the writer's coming and saying, listen, if you're going to run the race that before, if you're going to be prepared for the crossroad that's coming, I want you to know you have a responsibility to run well. You have a responsibility to fix your gaze. You have a responsibility in all of these things in preparation for your crossroad, right? Because what they did, these men and women of faith, is that when they got to the crossroad, their life beforehand had prepared them for this moment. How they lived and prepared. He said this is what they did. He's painting a picture of what they did, right? We're going to look at all those, some of those verses in a second, but they were preparing themselves for this journey, right? They had a responsibility. And each of us in our lives, I want to say, we have the same responsibility. For when crossroad moments come, this moment similar to Asa, we need to have learned the truths of, Hebrew, of, Hebrew, of chapter 12 of Hebrews. We need to know where our commitment with Jesus lies. When I'm living my life, am I one who is continually leaning in or am I leaning into self and leaning into others? In the moment, either I am responsible for recognizing I can do nothing apart from Jesus and I focus my gaze on him, I lean into him, or I do not. And this, this is the Asa Crossroads moment. This is the Asa Crossroads moment. Now, Realistically speaking, we have no idea when our crossroad moments will come. We really don't, right? These big, grandiose moments, we have no idea when they're going to come. We don't know when they're going to hit. Now, we, in some degree, we face our own crossroad moments every day, like I said before, right? We're making decisions, life decisions, important decisions, all kind of decisions all the time that are important. They're our own kind of crossroad moment, and we need to be leaning into Jesus. But we recognize in life, don't you, that there are always kind of those escalated moments, kind of these defining moments of life for you, kind of these bigger-than-life moments that kind of decide future 
They can be anything. They can be around your, your, your job. They can be around moving. They can be around your kids. and around your spouse. and around your friends. be around your church. It can, be, it can involve anything, ultimately, right? But the thing that I, that I would want to say is this, that how we live our lives today, how we live our lives today and our commitment to Jesus, it will determine the decisions and the choices that we make when the crossroads come. How we live today in a commitment to Christ. How we live today in fixing our gaze on Him. How we live today in leaning into Jesus. If we learn to do it every day, then it becomes natural so that we naturally do it when the great crossroad moments come. What we find in the life of Asa is that gradually, for whatever reason, and we can kind of name it and kind of think about it for ourselves, is that somewhere in life he shifted. Maybe it was because as a king, he was the most powerful man in his world, right? Kings don't seemingly need anything because they got all the power. Maybe he just kind of got all involved in self and thought he was great. Maybe he was reading all these great books on leadership and leadership training. Maybe he was reading all these books about how to, how to do all these spiritual things and how to do everything right in the temple. Who knows what he was doing, right? But somewhere along the way, he gradually pulled out and pulled away, leaned into self. And what I want to say to you is that when his great moment come, the 39th year of his reign, and his feet got diseased, the writer's going, I can't believe he had pulled so far away that even in that moment, he didn't turn to God. May it never be said about you. May it never be said that you just gradually pulled away to the point that when your moment came, may it be when your story is told. They tell the great story of faith. That when we get into heaven, God said, well, hey, because I had the power to do so, I'm adding your story to Hebrews 11. That's just what I'm going to do because I can. I'm God. I can add anything I want to. He's adding your story. That's what we're talking about. So our responsibility, we have a responsibility. So what I want to do is this. I want to name four things. If you have your notebook and a, and, a, and, a, and a pen, I want you to write these things down. If you have a smartphone and can take notes, I want you to do it. If you don't like writing in your phone, just press record, and you can listen to these and write them down when you get home. I want you to write these four things down for me. You're like, I don't have to do that. There you go, right? Fleshing out. You can do what you want to, right? You're an individual. There you go. Good job. Write these down. All right. I say that in humility and grace. I want to share with you what I believe ultimately. That, now, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, and he's saying a whole lot more. I encourage you to go read for yourself when the Lord speak to you. I'm going to name four things to you that I believe he's speaking specifically for us this morning about continuing this race that we're running, okay? All right. The first thing, I think they're up here. You can go ahead and put them up here. Number one, just write them down. Look, number one that we read is that look at where you are. I'm going to look at all these in a second. I want you to write them down now, okay? I'm going to break them all down. Number one, look at where you are. Look at where you are. Just be aware, right? I'm going to do an inventory of my life and see where I am. Number two, Determine where you were going. Determine where you were going. I mean, listen, how silly is it to get in your car and your, and your spouse says, hey, how are we going to get to so-and-so's house? I'm just going to drive and see if we get there, right? Does it make a whole lot of sense? You need to know where you're going, right? You got to you pull out. And, and how many of you use your map app on your phone to get places, right? You, you want to know how to get, get, yeah, determine where you're going so you can get directions to get there. Number three, deal with issues. Deal with issues. What I said is, 
Deal with the exact issues that keep you from your destination. Deal with the exact issues, okay? Don't deal with someone. Listen, if you're married, you're usually really good at dealing with your spouse's issues, right? They're the ones keeping you from getting where you want to go. Kids, that's what you do. It's all your parents' fault. You can't do what you want to do, right? It's all blame them. No. Let's own our own stuff, right? we got our own issues. Let's deal with our own issues that keep us from our destination. And number four, real simple, run the race. Run the race. Run the race. All right, number one, I'm going to break all these down. Look at, where, look at where you are. So have you ever woken up, have you ever woken up and had no idea where you were? In those moments, like where you, a lot of the, I hear about a lot of guys who travel a lot, that they're like going from one town to the next, and, all, and, they, and one, they wake up and like, oh, kind of a start, where am I, where am I? I'm like, oh, hotel, Albuquerque, right? Whatever it may be. It's like, okay, I'm in my own bed. There's my wife. Wow, that happened, right? It's great, right? Where this happens. So this happens all the time. We just kind of wake up, like, where am I? Here's the deal. Asa never woke up. Asa never woke up, y'all. He gradually was wooed to sleep, and he died never having awakened. He had no idea where he was. Scripture says, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's that responsibility piece again. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Listen, for years, for years, I used to just have these dreams I felt like God was giving me. And every time in my dream, I'd walk up wearing pajamas. And so I asked, I mean, literally for like, for, for like a year, I'd have about, like about once a week, I'd have a dream about, in my dream, I'm like, why am I wearing pajamas? This is so weird, right? I said, God, what is the pajama thing? He said, and the whole idea says, Steve, you just finally woke up. I just finally woke you up into this thing I'm, I have for you. And I recognize in my life, my God, I don't want to be one who falls asleep, right? We have to look at where we are. The only way we can do this is if we're awake to do that, right? Second Chronicles already said it. Even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Again, a level of shock that Asa didn't turn to God. So what I want to say is this. Today or this week, and hear this. This is when it gets to the nuts and bolts. I want you to do a spiritual inventory and figure out exactly where you are spiritually with God. Just do a spiritual inventory and ask these questions. Are you where you thought you would be today? Are you, are you today where you thought you'd be 10 years ago? 10 years ago when you thought about today, are you where you thought you would be spiritually with the Lord and leaning into him and in life, right? Are you who you thought you would be? When you have, I don't know about you, but I have these these delusions of grandeur that I'm pretty awesome, right? Everybody thinks they're awesome in their own mind. I had these, uh, don't look at me that way, right? You all think that you're great. You're like, why don't they love me? I'm great, right? And so, so in that idea is that who do, who do I want to be? Because this picture of who I'm supposed to be, this great picture, a lot of those are strictly directly from the Lord of who he's calling you to become. And some of us, some of us, we're so unaware. Remember, the Father says, this, hey, I want you all to know, everybody, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He's pretty awesome. He's, I want everyone who's out here to know this. He's awesome, right? How many of you know the Father thinks that about you, right? We're awesome. How many of you are living into that? Who, are you who you thought you would be? So, so that's where we are, right? <clears throat> that's the idea of, um, hold on a second, where am I? Yeah, yeah. It's the idea of, um, of recognizing the things that hinder 
and the sin, right? The only way that we're going to be able to take a, an inventory of our lives, an honest look, is if we look at our heart, right? We look at our emotions, we look at our minds, we just look at everything going on in our lives. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask you this question. You know, you know, Jesus is always aware of when you're going to come to him. He's not surprised when you show up. And so I sit in the moment. He's already expecting this. He has an answer prepared. And I look at him and say, Jesus, so how am I doing? Have you ever asked him that? Have you ever sat down and said, Jesus, how am I doing? Now, here's the thing. He's not a condemning father. He is a loving father. If you hear condemning words about how much, how terrible you are and how all this kind of stuff, you're not hearing the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord, he speaks tenderly. He does not break a bruised reed, right? He does not snuff out a smoldering wick. He loves you. These compassionate words. Now, he will speak directly and honestly to you, convicting, not convicting as in you're terrible, but convicting as in this is truth. Step into it. But ask him. Take five minutes. It doesn't, doesn't take long for God to speak. He's already expecting you, right? Ask him, so how am I doing? And take time to listen. The second thing is determine where you were going. We said this morning that Asa somehow lost sight of God. His, his vision shifted, right? The reader here, tell, the, the writer tells the readers, fix your gaze on Jesus. Fix your gaze. Set your gaze, right? That's what happened. We read Isaiah 6 early. Remember, Isaiah was sitting there, and all of a sudden, his eyes were transfixed on the living God, high and exalted, and he was undone, right? It, it moved him to recognize he's a man of unclean lips, right? It moved him to this place of recognizing, oh, I'm nothing compared to God, death to me. And all of a sudden, God, with the grace and mercy, said, no, I'm prepared to cleanse you. The picture of Isaiah 6 that just wrecks me every time I read it is this, that when all of a sudden, when the, when the burning coal touched, God was still over here, but you know what happened? All of a sudden in the moment, Isaiah could hear the intimate words that Father, that God was speaking, saying, who's going to go for us? He wasn't just bellowing it out everywhere. He's like, he's kind of whispering here, like right in his people, right next to him. Who's going to go? Isaiah, God had brought him in, said, this is where you are, right? I'm going to cleanse you with my grace, my compassion, my love for you, and I'm going to bring you into intimacy, and I'm going to share my secrets with you. Determine where you're going. Setting our gaze on Jesus being brought into this moment of God sharing his dreams and sharing his, his secrets with you. Listen, there are things that I know about God you don't know. You know why? I've got to sat with him and he told me. And there are things that you know about God. You know why? Because you're living your own life and I'm living mine. And in the context of your own life, God speaks to you individually about your own life. You know him in a way that I'll never know him because you have an, a unique personality. He shares secrets. Determine where you're going. How? I set my gaze on Jesus. He is the author of my story. You hear that? He's the author. He's writing my story. He's the perfecter of my faith. He's the one, right? Asa had taken his gaze off of Father. Hebrews 11, they hadn't. Their gaze is focused, right? That's what the writer's getting at. They set their gaze on Jesus. They knew their destination. They knew where they were going. Number three, deal with the exact issues that keep you from your destination. Deal with the exact issues, right? I love this. It says, throw off all that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. Okay, so I love to camp. So let's just imagine right now. Right now, I had the power by the Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to snap my fingers. We're going to be in Colorado camping, okay? And each of you, because I love you, I've prepared a backpack for you, 
And when, as soon as I snap my fingers, you're all going to be wearing this backpack in Colorado, and the trees are there, right? And there's a little bit of snow on the ground because I've already snowed, but i got a fire going for each of you, right, because I care that not, not much about you, right? And we're going to all be camping, right? So we, we get there, we've got our backpacks on, we're about to settle in, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, three grizzly bears show up. Let me tell you what you're going to do. I'll tell you what you, you know, you should just go, let's stand there. About those you're going to do. You're going to run and hope Brandon gets caught, right? That's what's going to happen, right? And Brandon, because he's the leader here, he's going to have to go, oh, Jesus, yes, I will die for them, right? But you're going you're gonna to do this, and you're going to start running. Let me tell you what your posture is going to be when you take off like this. You know why? Because you are trying to shed your backpack because it is hindering you from running as quickly as you can, right? You're like, right? And you take off and you start running. That's what you would do. Why? Because if I'm trying to run away from a grizzly bear, my backpack hinders me from running and getting away from them. That's what the writer's saying. Listen, get, listen, throw off all that hinders. Listen, things that hinder Scripture talks about in, 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 in church, to the church of Corinth, Paul says, listen, yeah, you, you quote this, that all things are permissible, but listen, don't be idiots. Not all things are beneficial, right? Not all things are beneficial. Listen, there are things in your life that are fine things, they're okay things, but if you're completely honest, they're literally hindering you from running the race set before you. Story about my dad. When I was, a, I think, a freshman, eighth grade freshman, sophomore in your high school, I don't remember exactly when it was, my dad and I, I mean, we're big fishermen, right? We would fish tournaments all over the southeast, bass fishing. We'd fish tournaments all over the southeast together. We were pretty good at what we did, right? And, and that was kind of the thing that we, that was our thing, one of our things, right? And so, so anyway, we, we, uh, we were sitting at church one day. I'll never forget this. I mean, it was like, it is indelibly stamped. This is one of those moments that God taught me something through my dad that will cha- has changed me forever. My dad stood up on a Sunday morning, kind of just doesn't normally happen. It was a good Baptist church, right? We didn't, we didn't do that type of thing. And, and, and he stands up and says, I need to share something with you. And he's like, okay. He's like, as I was sitting here this morning, the Lord has told me that fishing has become a hindrance in my walk with Jesus. It's not a sin, but it's a hindrance because it's taking up so much of my passion and so much of my energy. It's affecting my relationship with my wife and affecting my relationship with Christ. And I just want to confess it before all of you, because you're my family, so you can hold me accountable to that. And I went, oh, crap. <laughs> because I wasn't old enough to go fishing by myself. I'm like, and I walked up and said, God, you know, Dad, are you sure about that? And he sat there with tears in his eyes. He said, yes, I have to be obedient to the Lord. Listen, three years later, God gave him fishing back. It's a beautiful moment. We went fishing together. I kept all his fishing gear, right? In fact, I used it, right? But I had it all prepared. And about once a month, I said, have you been released yet? No. Nope. <laughs> like, oh, all right. But it was one of those things he was released again. My point is this, because when he came back, you knew what? You know what? Fishing no longer had power over him. It was no longer a hindrance. It really was now just a gift that God had given him to enjoy with his son and would never get in the way of him being with Jesus. Listen. God is not the ultimate killjoy one to take all of your passions away in life. What he does when he comes in and says in a season, this is the thing that's hindering you from walking with me. He doesn't just go up one fail swoop and say, every hobby, get rid of it, and just read your Bible. How miserable that would that be, right? 
No, he's given us things in life to enjoy them. I enjoy fishing. It's not an idol, right? But the idea is that when something, all we, when we're gazing upon Jesus, and here's the point, when I'm gazing upon Jesus in love, he says, here's the backpack on your back that's hindering you in your race. I need you to let go of it. And it may just be for a moment. It may just be for a season. It may be for years. maybe forever. I don't really know. But the idea is that when he puts it on you, because he recognizes if you don't do this, you will die with unrealized potential, just like Asaph. And then the obvious one, I'm not going to spend much time here. If you've been in church for, for at least six months or even maybe one week, you've heard 16 jillion messages on sin, right? And so here's the deal. You all know sin's bad. You all know it hurts your relationship with God. If you're in it, stop. There you go, right? There's the message on sin. If you're doing it, you know it's hurting you. Stop. Why? Because it's like roots, and you're running. All of a sudden, you trip on the roots. Your feet, your feet get entangled, and you become grizzly fodder, right? Grizzly food right there in the moment, right? They're like, yes, and they chow down on you, right? That's what sin does. It's a graphic picture, but it fits. Get rid of the things that easily hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. Remember, this is your responsibility. This is your responsibility. That's what the writer's getting at. I mean, I'm going to read back through because I want you to see just, I want you to think responsibility when I read back through Hebrews, okay? It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, choose to run, right? Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, and let us, responsibility, fix our eyes on Jesus, right? Consider him. You think about, consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and tired. As I make, listen, it says, arise, excuse me, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's the point. When we step into our responsibility, then the Holy Spirit comes and empowers it. As we step into our responsibility, the Holy Spirit breathes in and gives us power to flesh it out. Those who are sent at the crossroads, as they turn left towards Jesus, the Holy Spirit, like a wind behind them, like a, like a river of delights that Isaiah calls it, all of a sudden hits them and propels them down the path. doesn't mean it's easy, but the Holy Spirit empowers the crossroads step towards the left, which leads to number four. And once you've done that, my friends, you can run the race. You can run the race. This morning, each of us live life coming to crossroad moments. Coming to crossroad moments. And how you live today will determine how you handle the crossroad when you get there. Prepare yourself. Choose the responsibility. Engage it. And live in expectation when you do it for the Holy Spirit to come tell you how much he loves you. Well done, child. Well done, daughter. I'm so, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. He will speak these words, right? He wanted to make sure that these men and women in Hebrews 11, he wanted to brag about them because he was so proud of them. He was so proud of their steps. That's where you are. Let's pray. Father, we come into this moment and recognize, Lord, in so many ways we come to our own crossroad moments, Jesus. Father, we, we live life coming to these moments. We come and 
And Lord, we just confess that life is really good at, at hiding you from us. Father, I praise you and thank you for your sensitivity, your compassion in that. Jesus, you lived, you lived our life. You know what we face every day. You know the temptations that we face. You understand them. You know that it's hard to be a human being. And Father, I want to pray today, Jesus, just for each person sitting here, Lord, who are maybe dealing with some cataclysmic crossroad moment. God, they're just, they're just taking the gradual steps every day, God, of choosing you, which prepares them maybe for the great crossroad that may come in the future. Lord, I pray today for each person sitting here, Lord, that you would do a couple of things, that you would awaken them, that you would convict them out of your love for them, and that, God, you would empower them to step up and to follow you. Father, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as you always do at Sunburst, you have a time of ministry, so I encourage ministry team to go ahead and come forward. And, uh, and so how would I ask that you would respond today? Number one, if there's anything in your life you need prayer for, whether it's healing or need ministry. I don't care what it is, right? Feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. But as it relates to this message, listen, I recognize that there are some of you in this room who, when you're thinking about it, you're like, you know, I'm not the person today that I thought I would, I was going to be. That I'm I'm not ultimately satisfied. That I recognize I have I haven't chosen, I have not engaged that responsibility. And you just want someone to come alongside of you and pray for, for wisdom and or pray for direction or or maybe even to come, he's like, listen, I've got to confess this sin that's so easily entangled. I've got to get it off of me. Listen, Scripture tells us that when we do that, it's like the highway of grace. His blessing, His gifts, His fullness, His highway of grace is opened up to us. God gives grace to the humble. It's powerful when we come and say, this is where I am. I need to confess this before you. Would you pray? That's you today. We're here to place saying, yes, I'm at a crossroad with myself right now. And I am probably leaning away from God. Would you pray for me to have strength to lead toward Jesus? Would you come. And ever how else that message landed with you, that you want someone to pray into you, feel free to come. You guys have a great week. Thanks for being here. God bless you.